I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. We're back for, it's kind of bizarre. Sasha, this week has flown by, and I actually don't know where the last seven days since we recorded have gone. Um, yeah. In fact, I actually don't believe that seven days have passed, but here we are. And how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm well. I actually was thinking this morning before we hopped on, I was like, was that only a week ago? I know. It, I know. I don't know what happened. I, yeah. We're in a time warp. <laughs> Nebraska is like, and I will say also for me, especially in season, I'm very regimented. Like I'm very used to a schedule because for as long as I have covered Nebraska, um, now some of it's been a little bit different, but as long as I've covered Nebraska, typically Mondays are press conference, Tuesdays, and then there's some kind of like variation of practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. It has in the Scott Frost years turned into Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, where we'd have Wednesday, Friday off. Um, but I mean, like Bo Pelini did, I think, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. It was a lot. And then uh, Mike Riley did some variation of that as well. And now some other media members will tell you like, oh, press conferences at one point were on Tuesdays and then they move, whatever. The regardless, my point is, is like you at the beginning of a season, or at least with a coach, you kind of get into a schedule, you know, okay, Mondays, I need to be there at this time, mm -hmm. Tuesdays at this time. And it just kind of gives you a bit of like focus. Mm -hmm. And I realized something because this season has been so strange yeah. and we are going to be transitioning out of the Monday press conference into those moving to Tuesdays. And then when the new coach is hired, it could go back, who knows? Right. Um, but for right now, that's what it's going to be through this season. And I was sitting in my house on Monday and you think like, Oh, Aaron, you'd love to have a Monday at home, but I'm so used to in season having my Mondays be press conference days yeah. and how my schedule works around that, that I found myself really off. I have found myself just very consistently off. Yeah. So yeah, it's just been, it's, you don't realize how much it like affects you until your schedule gets out of sorts. And that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> my, well, and I, I'm not like going to the press or the, the availability of the press conferences or anything by any means, but like, I've gotten some stuff added to my plate. Um, and so my schedule is just bonkers. Like 
I'm having to constantly shift things around um, and like I'm starting later so I can work later type of a thing. I pretty much work all day on Sundays now. So it's like, and that's just, that, that's just the way it is um, with, with a transition of kind of roles at work. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely feel that like when you have done something a certain way for a certain amount of time, it, it can kind of throw you all the way for a loop. Um, when things adjust slightly. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just kind of, I think if this is a good reminder for anyone, like just show yourself grace through change and through things being different. Like one of the things that I've also had to do is adjust like my half marathon training. So like typically in a week I would have to run Tuesday, Thursdays as like my shorter runs through the week. And I've had to really be, I've started having to transition those into uh, Wednesday, Friday, which is fine. Mm-hmm. The training plan I'm using, which is Hal Higdon, I've used this training guide before, really like it. It specifically says, and like, this is the stuff where I'm saying, show yourself grace, because this is at the top of the training plan. And I have to like, sometimes go back and read it just to remind myself of like, you know, just don't be dumb through this whole thing, but it just really says like, and of course I'm not going to be able to find it right now, (laughs) but his whole point is you don't need to like follow these exactly day by day. Like Mm -hmm. if, if you have seven days and you know, within those seven days, you're going to have two shorter runs, one longer run, two cross trainings and two rest days. No, you don't want your two rest days back to back. If like, that's not the goal, but like, you oh here it is don't be afraid to juggle the workouts from day to day and week to week be consistent with your training and the overall details won't matter and so i'm kind of having to remind myself that like the overall details of everything is not the ultimate goal it's more about just like being consistent so like if you're running on a tuesday instead of a wednesday or you run on wednesday instead of tuesday is it really that big of a deal no but it is hard when like you kind of feel like am i behind am i not i don't know it just it's it's definitely just no, something I've, where my brain is like, it, it just is what it is. <laughs> I've really had to be mindful of allowing myself to have that grace with my mm-hmm. training too. I, <laughs> especially like last weekend. And I actually like am doing a hybrid a little bit because I don't want to way overdo it because I do have hockey every Tuesday. So I use that as one of my short runs because mm. it's pretty much an hour of like, sprints (laughs) um I realize it's not the exact same thing but like I've had to move my longer runs kind of to Mondays and then Mm -hmm. my shorter run will be on like a Thursday or a Friday but this week I did the shorter run yesterday and I'll do the long one on Friday because I'm supposed to be off on Friday and so it's just you just sometimes have to balance things and move things around and figure out what balance looks like on a week-to-week basis because it's not always going to be the same every single week oh yeah I just just doing what you you kind of just have to find what works for you and make what works for you possible and yeah yeah, it's just, it is, but the whole inconsistency of it, like I just, I sometimes I don't think kind of stop and realize how much that I can have an effect because I was feeling really, really off. Like, and I was having this conversation with my husband where I'm like, nothing was bad. My day wasn't yeah. bad. I got things done. I didn't get as much as I had wanted to get done done, but that was part of the problem is I felt really off. I just felt really like kind of almost foggy yeah. where I just didn't feel completely myself. And I think a little bit of it is like, I'm really used to getting up on a Monday and like that starting my week, going to Lincoln, um, going through press conference day. And 
So it's fine. And then I just have to point this out. The internet right now through this whole coaching search and everything with Nebraska is going to drive me crazy. But I have to just like, this is so non-incidental. It's like the least important thing of anything that has happened. But I just have to say like, this is the stuff where like, my brain is so bothered by these things. (laughs) So um, typically... Like here, we're just like through this whole coaching change, going to pull back the curtain on some things that some of you might find interesting. Some of you might not. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, But one of the things that Nebraska has done through the press conference for years is they offer lunch. And that's that's just pretty consistent. And it's because of Nebraska's partnership with Valentino's. I don't want to make it sit here and seem like they're like catering in all kinds of different things. It's (laughs) it's typically pizza, salad, breadsticks. And then every like maybe and honestly, I'm a little bit like mad that I think this would have been last week. And so hopefully we get it next week is the lasagna day, which means dessert pizza. Um, But the thing is, is like that it's just been pretty consistent. The reason they do that is because press conference day typically falls right over the lunch hour. It starts Mm -hmm. around 11, 1130 in the morning and it runs until about two to three, depending on the time. Like, I would say it definitely goes to about two. It just kind of like depends on the the like traffic of players as they're coming in from yeah. classes or after meetings or in some cases practice, depending on the day. It just, it, it, you're there over the lunch hour. And so you could say, we'll pack a lunch. But I think this is just something that a lot of programs and specifically Nebraska do because they think it's just, hey, this is our partnership with Valentino's. Right. They kind of just build it in whatever. Well, this press conference that we're having the day that we're recording this is sort of an unplanned one. This is because Mickey Joseph, um, Nebraska's new interim coach, really needs to address the fact that he let defensive coordinator Eric Schneider go. Right. I'm going to tell you right now, if that decision hadn't been made, we would not have had availability this week. We have had that happen before where it's always kind of up in the air if the, the coaches want to do something during the bye week. But typically it's like, I think most years Frost and then prior to that Riley and Pelini would maybe do like availability late in the week on like a Thursday, just to kind of talk about how the bye week has gone. Yeah. But they would rarely do anything else. So having a true like quote unquote press conference is pretty rare during a bye week. And so Josh Peterson, who <laughs> Josh cracks me up because his, uh, his, he's very sarcastic on tweet on Twitter And he quote tweeted the, or he shared a piece of the email talking about this media availability that we're going to have. And at the end it said, because this was not a regular scheduled weekly press conference and coach Joseph is the only speaker, we will not be serving lunch. So Josh said, wow, Mickey Joseph continues to make change in Nebraska. (laughs) And I know he's joking, but the amount of people who are like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, it means nothing. It means this was not a planned thing, which means there's a contract with Valentino's and there wasn't a contracted lunch for this week. So they're not going to make Valentino's come bring pizza, salad and breadsticks for one speaker. So anyway, I don't know why this is the stuff that's setting me off. It's not Josh's tweet. It's all the people that are like, I, you know, basically saying like, this is the conclusion. Like, and I do appreciate yeah. to the person who made that comment. He was like, are you doing a bit? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I need everyone to just chill. Well, and I, I think that uh, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully here. <laughs> I think that in this instance with this specific letting go of a coach, 
things had gotten so dismal for everyone that, and like we kind of touched on last week, like everyone thought that this would work. Everybody thought that this would be the turning point for the first time in a very long time. And then it didn't work out and it was so, so much didn't work out that I think that everyone is just, you know, wants to overreact to everything because they're so upset Yes. And there's nothing that isn't absurd, you know? And, and so I think literally everything is being overreacted to more so than it has been in the past. Yes. It's going to be a very long season. Oh and my gosh. I really like, I'm already like <laughs> kind of at my wits end with a yeah. lot of it. Um, because here's the reality of, and like, we'll probably, like we said in our episode prior to this one. So depending on when you're listening, you can, you can go back and listen to it. Um, this is Nebraska making the decision to part ways with Scott Frost when it did is going to mean a long season of, uh, rumors. It's just the reality of this business. And you have to be really careful as a consumer of this information for a number of reasons, because you're going to like right now in the last, like, three days uh-huh. it's been back and forth of this source said urban meyer was contacted this source said urban meyer was not contacted oh this God. source says they were but it becomes a bit of source war yeah. and here's the thing that you always have to be careful with this is i'm not saying that whomever's sources are incorrect mm-hmm. but um some sources are not as dialed in as others and that's not to say that their information is not valuable or right worth or worthwhile or strong somebody could have said to somebody hey when you know urban meyer was in town for you know big noon sun saturday whatever it's called um he had a conversation with trev alberts that conversation could have been about um as we're looking for a new coach do you have any recommendations um it could have been how are you liking your new job as an analyst in this role it could have been literally anything and it's this is this is going to be the the just like the facts the the facts of the matter are all of the coaches that Nebraska will be interested in and I really truly don't believe Erwin Meyer is an option so like I'm just gonna like say I do not believe one I do not believe he is interested in Nebraska I do not believe Nebraska is sincerely interested in him and I understand that that is very like a polarizing thing right now but I actually think it's yeah. very defeatist in mentality to think that it's him or nothing. There are oh, a lot yeah. of really, really, really good coaches in this country who could turn a program around yes. sincerely that I think to your point, everyone is so triggered by everything right now. Oh, everyone yeah. is so hurt and so like just angry about what happened yeah. or insert emotion here. And it's valid, yeah. but because of that, I do think there are people who are kind of almost grasping where it's like, if it's not this, it's nothing at all. And it's, it's, it's not, Nebraska is not at that point. There's no. a reason that we're having these conversations where so many names come up yeah. because there are a legitimate number of good options. Yes. Yes. For sure. So, but the re like the real important piece of this is people need to just kind of, relax because there will not be a decision made until the end of the season because all of these coaches or all of these prospects with the exception of someone like say urban meyer who's currently 
on TV. Right. Everyone else, like your Matt Campbell, your Lance Leipold, your Matt Rules, they're all coaching right now. Right. They're not entertaining this. And so when you hear them get asked at a press conference, hey, your name got brought up in this, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, my agent was just or you're going to start hearing hey, this person might be interested because their agent is doing their job. Right. Yes. They're realizing that they can utilize this opening, whether that person is interested or not, to maybe get them an increase wherever they're at right now. Yep. So everything you hear has to be taken with a grain of salt, knowing mm -hmm. that there are a lot of parties involved here with a lot of very individual just there's things that matter to people differently within this and yeah. they're all going to be putting their time and attention toward it. So it could be an yes. agent, could be boosters and yes. regents who have specific wants in a coach. Yeah. And none of those people mean anything until Trev Albert says that's the person. Exactly. Here's the other thing. I, like selfishly, actually, no, my thought was going, my, what I was about to just blurt out was, <laughs> I wish they would have waited to like to get rid of fire relieve of duties Scott Frost until the end of the season, but they couldn't do that only because this coaching search, the rumors, all of that is, is like you said, going to make this a very long season. Here's the other thing too. You meant you touched on something that immediately in my head, I was like, ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. Nebraska isn't going to make a desperation hire. No, in my opinion, Urban Meyer would be a desperation hire. It's a big flashy name. And I understand people latching onto that and being like, oh, but uh, you have to look at all of the facts in a situation. You have to pay attention and actively listen to what people are saying because people will tell you what they want you to know if you're actively listening. Mm -hmm. If you actively listen to what Trev said in his press conference, he told you what you needed to know and what he wanted you to know. They want someone with character. They want someone who would legitimately turn a program around. Keep those things in mind when you're approaching what you're interacting with in terms of rumors and things like that. I said this or some variation of it on Derek's Varsity Club podcast episode, uh, the previous one to when we recorded this, um, that the issue I run into with a lot of names that have gotten thrown around, like, so... For instance, a lot of people are really excited about Bill O'Brien. Yeah. My fear with a guy like Bill O'Brien, and these are the things that Trev is going to have to think about and yeah. why I'm grateful I don't have to make this decision. But Bill O'Brien's, um, his like tr coaching trajectory kind of always feels like he's looking at what's next. Mm -hmm. What is next for me? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I want to just point that out, that there's nothing wrong with how different people approach. There are some people in this country, in this world, who they just are happy coaching where they're coaching. Mm -hmm. They want to be a coordinator for the rest of their life, an assistant, they don't want to be a head coach mm -hmm. or they want to keep progressing. They, they want to, you know, get into the NFL. They don't want to mm -hmm. be in college level forever. People are always going to be different. And yep. so I don't want to say that as like a negative toward him of like, but his trajectory always kind of feels like he's looking at the next, the next step for himself. Right. So then when I look at someone like urban Meyer, he remind he's somebody that I don't imagine would be coaching much longer, even at a, even if you take away everything else, which mm -hmm. I watched this conversation happen. And there's a lot of, you know, people who are, look, you go back and forth. And like, when you look at his time in college football, he, he won a lot and you can't deny that. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not taking away from that. Thousand percent. Um, he had like 
he had one of the seven best winning percentages of all time. And if you're somebody who hasn't been winning for a long time, that's very enticing. We're like, Oh, for sure. But here's the thing. I appreciate John Bishop um, saying this on Twitter, but he was very clear. He's never rebuilt a power five program. And somebody was like, Oh, does Utah not count? And he's like, that was, that was a very different time frame. Yeah. We're talking more than 20 years ago. Right. So he's looking more recently. Yeah. He's like, he never had to recruit to a power five without a built-in recruiting base. Florida and Ohio State are very different than Nebraska. With that said, I don't want that to come across as that Nebraska cannot recruit at a high level or cannot be like any of these other blue bloods. Right. That's not that the world of social media and the internet and everything has opened up the opportunity for recruiting to be able to get in front of people everywhere. Yeah. So Nebraska can be that. So like, do not misconstrue that I'm saying that Nebraska is helpless or hopeless here. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. But then I say, then he added, plus all of the personal demons that made him the laughing stock of the NFL. For me, that's really the caveat here mm -hmm. is that Nebraska, I think, is tired of being the punching bag. Nebraska fans want to win and they want to stop being the punching bag. And I get that I've heard people go, well, it doesn't matter to me as long as Nebraska is winning. That is a big gamble to take mm -hmm. when you don't know if this person, like any person on any of these lists, like there's a little bit of there's a little bit of capturing lightning in a bottle when mm -hmm. it comes to a really successful head coach. There's a mm -hmm. reason that Alabama fans are scared for the day that Nick Saban re yes. retires because they're like, what, what happens then? Who's right. the next person? Right. And like, when you think about like, who's the, for instance, Lincoln Riley of this, this current, this current coaching year, I don't know who that is right now. Right. And even then, is is Lincoln Riley going to be the next big coach at USC? Right. Like these are all things that we don't yet know. Where it's all so new, but you're also it, like I said, it's trying. You're trying to capture lightning in a bottle to a degree. Yep. So when you're Trev and you're looking at all this stuff, yeah, you're weighing the fact that okay, Urban Myers had a really winning career in college sports, but am I willing to also then trade? all of the personal, all of the personal drama and demons and just bad look that comes with it when this also may not work out. Mm -hmm. Like it's a lot to assume that it will, but it's yes. like you could, but that's the case with anybody that you hire at this point. Absolutely. So, you know, it's like kind of when, if you think about any company that's trying to, trying to hire somebody into a top tier position, you have a checklist of things that need to be marked off, right? Mm -hmm. I think for sure, character, we're in Nebraska, it's characters always mattered in a head coach. And that has been very clear when you look at the last few hires for Nebraska, okay? You also have to think about, you can't really, in my opinion, and I haven't I don't know that I've ever gotten to this point, but I think that you very much have to be able to coach in the big 10 specifically. Okay. I think that you have seen that it hasn't worked out when you don't, when you can't coach to, to what the, what the big 10 does as a conference. I think that that's been very apparent, but I think that you folks would be surprised at the amount of things that need to be taken into consideration. I understand. I, we just need someone who can win. I, I understand that sentiment. But you also have a lot of other things that need to be marked off. I feel like you've got to have somebody who can recruit very well. Yes. Um, and is personable with players. I think that that is super important in any coach. But I think that you also have to figure out what is important to you in terms of 
offensively minded or defensively minded. And nobody and can make that decision except for Trev Alberts and, you know. The the biggest thing that has gotten to me in this whole idea is that it, it has become this conversation of, do you want someone who wins or do you want someone who's nice? As if those <sighs> two things are like independent of one right. another and that cannot happen at the same time. Right. I understand that this makes some people really mad when I talk about this, but I don't, I, I this is the stuff that, Trev Alberts cares about because he has to, because at the end of the day, Nebraska's business. Now that to that point, people are going to go, well, then if it's a business, you need to care about winning. However, let me just point this out. I understand that Nebraska is not Nebraska that it was 25, 30 years ago. Things that Nebraska and Tom Osborne got away with 25, 30 years ago, because, oh, they didn't have social media. They didn't have everyone looking at them under a microscope. Understood. They do now. Mm-hmm. We cannot continue to go, well, it was okay then. Why can't it be okay now? Because no, these stories that I have been told about, say, Bob Devaney and the way that he would act on recruiting trips and at different things would not fly now. Right. They would not. And using that as a benchmark of like, well, Bob Devaney did it. And if he was successful, yeah. that, that is, that is bonkers. Like that is a, that is, that is bonkers. You so, have to evolve. You have to evolve. And so when you are looking at a head coach, it's not a winning versus nice thing. You can have somebody who is still nice and understand the nuance of your locker room. And the fact that you have players who come from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life that want to be heard and want to be understood. And this idea that like, not everyone is as tough as they used to be. Like, there's... Like, it's just this idea that, like, it has to be what it once was to be successful. But when you look at what some of the most successful programs in this country, and I'm, you know, I'm even going to take it beyond college football. When you look at any sport, when you look at the most successful college volleyball teams, when you look at the most successful um, NFL teams, when you look at the most successful uh, pro soccer teams, uh, the ones who, who end up winning are the ones who adapt the ones who evolve within the, how the sport itself mm-hmm. has evolved. If you think that Nick Saban and Alabama are operating today, the same way that they were 10, 15 years ago, you are not. sorely mistaken. One of the best things that Nick Saban has done is evolve with that program. Mm-hmm. And he is very aware of how he interacts with his players. There's a reason that ESPN has done that special of like how, when the new freshmen come on campus, Nick Saban, Saban takes him out for a boat day at his lake house mm-hmm. and he does the one-on-one bonding time. And there are people out there who I guarantee would be like, that's soft. But <laughs> Nick Saban understands that one-on-one connection that has evolved into, it's not any longer like your coach, like your coach has to like for a lot of these players has to come across as like a family member in yes. a way, like yep. you're, you're dedicating time to them. Yep. And all I'm saying is, you don't have to play this game of do you want a winner or do you want a nice guy? Because all it's doing is it feels like the same conversation of do you want Bo Pelini winning nine games or do you want Mike Riley? And neither of those two things are arguments so much for sure. But that's what it is. Like, and I see so much of it. And I just think it's really unfortunate that that has become the argument because I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that like, yeah, you're going to have really successful coaches that are assholes and you're going to have really successful coaches that are not. Right. And just like, I think, I think that two, two things, we say this all the time, but two things can be true at the same time. mm -hmm. You can have a nice person 
who connects with players and have that person also be a winning coach. Yeah. I think that thing, something that like, I don't know if it gets lost in translation or just blatantly ignored <laughs> is I understand reflecting back and wanting things to be like they were and be a powerhouse like, like Nebraska was in the nineties. But listen up, man, that was 30 years ago. One, I don't think that you could take that blueprint of what they were doing then and recreate it right now in the big 10 and have success. I think that there are elements of it that you could execute and see success with, mm -hmm. but you could not take that team, those teams, their specific plan and how they executed those things and put it into 2022 at Nebraska and see success with it. So like living in, in that, you know, flash in the pan that was, isn't doing anything, anybody, any benefit now, mm -hmm. like you're not going to recreate that same exact thing. And so like having that conversation being like, Oh, well they did this. Oh, <laughs> the way that things were then couldn't be, and exist the exact same way now. It, yeah. It's just a very, very different in terms of like you brought up social media, the way that recruiting's changes uh, changed. You have NIL now, like there are so many other elements that didn't even exist then in any conference that like you're underserving yourself. And I, I feel like um, just like totally shutting down um, an actual, like, <laughs> I don't want to call it a good or bad conversation, but like, there are, there are possibilities out there that I think are, are not being spoken about within the fan base because some folks are, are so very much focused on that. And you can, like Aaron said, have a winning coach that is nice and knows how to recruit. Or at least just like doesn't come with – like I, I just baggage. think – comes with the, the level of baggage. Yeah. I just think, and this is, this is kind of where I'm at. And like, I, I, I've been really like kind of just more observing through a lot of this conversation, mm -hmm. but um, I, I think for myself and like, look, I could be wrong in the end, but I, I feel fairly solid in, I, I don't, I don't expect Urban Meyer to be Nebraska's next head coach. And so sure. as I kind of think who else is available, who else is out there, there are people. I just, I, I don't think it's, if it's not this, well, then Nebraska is, you know, screwed right. for the foreseeable future. The reality is Nebraska has been in a situation for a while where fans just, they, they, here, when we look back and everything kind of gets, think of it like a breakup. Everything yeah. gets rose-colored glasses in hindsight where uh -huh. people now are going, oh, you shouldn't have fired Bo Pelini because it's easy to do that now. It's easy right. a decade later to be like, you know, look how different things were 10 right. years ago. And yeah, the, the, everything was very different 10 years ago. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, maybe things weren't handled completely correctly with Bo or anything else in between. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that. But if there's one thing that, like, I would say – what needs to happen now more than ever is I think where maybe, cause I remember when Bo was fired and then the Mike Riley hire was made, it kind of came out of left field where people yeah. were like, Oh, this way, this wasn't even a name yeah. on anyone's radar. Um, I do think in that case, there needs to be a little more transparency from Trev. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to show all of his cards, but talking through the decision-making process mm -hmm. as it's happening. So people don't maybe feel so blindsided by the decision. Yeah. Um, and then when you use what happened in the Scott Frost hiring as another example, 
that one was where Nebraska felt like it had to be that person. If it wasn't Scott, who could it be? Right. It was it was kind of almost a very different form of this conversation. But it's the if it's not Urban Meyer, who is it kind of thing right. where you're boxing yourself into if it's not this person who could possibly I think there also needs to be a setback of like, OK, yes, it, there needs to be that transparency level, but there also needs to be sort of a trust that it's not a one or one option or nothing nothing type of scenario, because I I do not subscribe to the belief that Nebraska is an irrelevant program. I believe that there are people out there that are sincerely interested in how they can help make Nebraska a great program Mm -hmm. again, but they're going to want to do it on their own terms. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if nothing else, Nebraska needs to be ready to evolve. And, um, I think fans, if they can truly step back and be like, I'm going to, I'm it. I think that there are going to be people who will be upset and disappointed no matter which way it goes. Mm -hmm. But I think if everyone can kind of, again, with transparency conversation, kind of just maybe a resetting of it, there are other people out there. I I think in the end, like this, this has a ton of potential to be a really good thing for Nebraska. I just, I, I, I worry that we're, you know, not even two weeks. We're like, not even in like, we're not even two weeks into the whole thing and people kind of absolve themselves that it's going to go sideways. And like, yeah. here's the thing that think I that's think where we need to be. <laughs> maybe folks aren't taking into consideration. And this is just my opinion. I'm not speaking for anyone else, but myself, but something that I have thought a lot about in this seven days, that has seemed like a year. Um, <laughs> is that I think that of all freaking people, Trev is going to take into consideration all of the things that he needs to, to put the right person in place to try to right this wrong path that Nebraska has been on for a little while. I think that he cares very much, and I'm not saying that other ADs did it, but I think that Trev understands in a way that other ADs may not have been able to over the last 10 years specifically if we're just using that as our, as our scope here. Um, yeah. Be patient with the process. Um, there are a lot of things at play here. I mean, I, and a lot of things that need to be considered. And I think that all of those are going to, I'm in So what I said at the top, I'm actually very, in my personal opinion, very hopeful. Um, in this process, because I think that the right person um, will be selected and put in place, but it's not going to be a, you know, not not necessarily that it won't be a huge name, but it's not going to be maybe the person that you think of, and you're not like, you know, it's not going to be Urban Meyer, I don't think. <laughs> I'm with you on I'm, that. I'm pretty convinced it won't be, and so I hope yeah. that people can still be excited. I think people oh, will. Yeah. The, re- the reality is, is I think once the name is picked and, you know, there's a reality, like oh, the kind of a... Sense. It, it'll it'll start to, as people say, the hype machine will keep going and oh, yeah. everything else. Now, for me in the media is where I'm at. Like, obviously, I said a little bit about this last week, and I do kind of want to spend a little bit of time in a future episode diving into this more. But I, I do kind of want to talk about the things that I have also learned, like in my own experiences over the last four and a half years and how I cover these things and how I'm also more hesitant to... Um, not make big sweeping statements about things because, you know, in the case of 
in the case of Scott Frost, so many of us were so convinced that this was going to work and it didn't. And so I think, again, going back to that idea that it's like capturing lightning in a bottle, mm-hmm. whoever's hired, my job is simply to report on the fact and the information that is provided to me um, and to allow the reader, the consumer to make the to make the decision for themselves how they feel about something or not. Um my personal feelings on like any, you know, coach are one thing and that that's why the beauty of column writing and opinion pieces. So please also never get it twisted between what is opinion and column versus, you know, sincere uh, reporting. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I even for myself, I think a lot about like what I have learned in the last 10 years and how I will look at whomever the new coaching staff is and, you know, how they do things. And I hope that they do things differently. Mm -hmm. The, The, for me, there's no reason that things have to be the same and think outside of the box. Yeah. I mean, honestly, (laughs) like if you, if you want to sit there and you want to change the tunnel walk, change the tunnel walk. Like if you want to change, um, if you want to change the way that like practices are run, okay, change them. Right. All I ask is please don't hold them at night like Mike Riley did because that really stunk. <laughs> <laughs> that was my only complaint is I yeah. like didn't love practice ending at like yeah. seven thirty. But beyond that, like right. do whatever you want. Right. Um, you've got to. I think that just I mentioned it earlier, but you've got to be able to evolve a little bit. And sometimes tradition serves a certain time period, and then it just needs to to move on to the next thing, you know, heighten itself a little bit. I appreciate um, Trev saying that in his, when he talked about yeah. fire and frost, he basically said, we need to stop talking about the, cha- we need to stop talking about the nineties. We need to stop talking about those championships and everything yes. else. Like they happened and that was great. Yeah. But that isn't where the program is anymore. Yeah. And I think that that actually might be what's holding Nebraska back in some ways is this idea of what was versus what can be. And so Mm -hmm. I think through all of these coaching changes, it's really needing to look at like what the future can be for this program. Not so much like how do you get back somewhere? I think going back is back home. No, it it is time to shove that to the wayside. (laughs) Elevate, keep up with, with what you're currently looking at. Yeah. Um, I know that we've got to wrap it up here, but that, was something that always kind of bothered me about Scott Frost being hired. I get, and I know that we touched on like the why of why that needed to happen, but like we touched on last week, again, you can't necessarily take success in one conference and then apply that to a different one. I think that you've got to keep in mind what works and what could work and be very Mm -hmm. successful where you currently are. Yeah. And that just, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm ridiculous, but I think that there's a lot of hope in the future for Nebraska. I think a thousand percent. I think that this is should be an exciting time where like the future Agreed. can be re Very defined. Yeah. Um, and I would just say that if you are somebody who um, I just wouldn't allow yourself to get boxed into thinking it's one person or nothing, and if that You've person is there, also think about this as a rebuild. You've got to rebuild because oh, what yeah. has been has not been working. So you've got to change and rebuild. And to everyone who's going to say, "But Nebraska has been rebuilding for the last twenty years." Have underst- they? Well, <laughs> understood. But my argument would be it hasn't been a sincere rebuild to yes. your point. I don't think that there has been a sincere rebuild. So this is going to be this is truly somebody needs to come in and, and rip the, everything down to its studs and rebuild it back up. And that, you know, might it take some time. some time. 
but that's okay. And so actually when we talk about someone like Urban Meyer, that actually might, you know, eliminate him just on that piece right there because his time frame is not significant when it comes to how long he'll continue coaching. Mm -hmm. And so, and he's you left know, a couple of, I don't even want to get into it. No, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like I said, this is going to be a long term conversation. Mm -hmm. There's so much to dive into because, you know, there's a lot that's going to happen. Um, so all I can say is, you know, stick with us. We'll continue to kind of process this. I think mm -hmm. the one thing I will offer to you also is a member of the media is that we are processing these things in real time at the same time that you are, because oftentimes you have to think about the fact that like we are, this, this is also somebody that we are going to be working with um, mm -hmm. day in and day out. And so there's a lot of, you know, thoughts and conversation. So again, always be mindful of if you see opinion in columns and, you know, making sure that those are not viewed as, as fact, because mm -hmm. um, people are allowed to have opinions. And that's why column writing and opinion sections exist and is for that reason. It's just don't, don't let yourself get those two construed because there's a lot, there's a lot to observe, like, like just to a, like take in. Right now. <laughs> yeah. So, and we'll talk about plenty of it. So if you have, um, Anything you want to talk to us about, you can tweet at us at Aaron Sorensen at Sasha72. You can email us at mindyourownpodcast at gmail.com or at hillvarsity.com. Don't do Gmail. I don't know where that would go, but it would be mindyourownpodcast at hillvarsity.com. Um, but yeah, shoot us a uh, shoot us an email, shoot us a tweet. We'd love to hear from you. We appreciate you listening. Um, so many of you uh, chimed in, especially on YouTube last week. So thank you for that. Um, all we ask is always be respectful in your conversation. Um, that is how we can have good conversation is when we respect each other's opinions and differences in those opinions. But you yes. know that. So go be kind to yourself this week. Show some grace. We'll be back next week with more. Thank you as always for listening. Bye. A Huda Media Production.